Hi everyone, Tom Panos here. I've got with me Mark Kenwell. We're going to go through the awards in a moment. Mark, welcome. How are you? Thanks, Tom. Yeah, excellent. Thank you. Winner. This boy's a winner. Let me tell you a little bit about him. Uh, recently, his office in the REB Awards, number five in the top 100, PRD Newcastle, PRD Lake Macquarie, correct? Yeah, so it's one, one big business essentially, yeah. Okay. In addition to that, you're looking at a guy who's been the number one selling principal for the PRD group nationally? Yep. For how long? Uh, oh, I don't know. It's the first year I got that. Okay, so we're talking about five, six years. We're talking about a guy whose office is consistently number one. Um, it was in the PRD group. So the awards, there's one after the other. Last year you were number 15 as a salesman out of 100. That's in the REB top. In the REB, yeah. 15 in the half. So uh, we're talking about a guy that writes one, three to one, five. He's not in double bay. So we're not talking about three or four million dollar properties. This guy's got to sell a few houses. What's your average price bracket? Um, so, Five fifty is about my average sale price, but I'm working on getting that back up now because it's, it's changed a little bit depending on what's moving in our market. Mark, for the viewers out there, in case they don't know you, your brief 60-second snapshot on who you are, how long you've been in real estate. 60 seconds, um, I came from background, coal miner, electrician, fitter. So, I got into that really because it was good money and started investing in property quite young. I come from a family that bought and sold a lot of property. I did a certificate in real estate um, out of interest with a partner of mine at the time that was in real estate. Loved it. Uh, cashed in, got a voluntary redundancy from the mines and started the real estate business and that was in 2005. I did my certificate in 2004. So that was nine years ago. Since. Did you go straight into business ownership? Yeah, I did, yeah. So I, um, I sold one of my investment properties, uh, took a little bit of money in the payout from the mines, and I went in 50-50. So I was 50%, and uh, Dad and, and Mum were the other 50%. Mum wasn't in the business. Uh, she was sort of more strategic, and Dad was like commercially, had commercial and industrial contacts, and I was basically the residential division. Okay. I want to talk to you about uh, the fact that, how old are you now? 32. You know I use the term attraction business yeah. and attraction model. You're definitely that because I know you're, you're a high VPA, high auction. And what surprises me is that in Newcastle, where it's not inner city Sydney or inner city Melbourne, where auction is the way to go, auction is the way that you go, mm. VPA is the way that you go. Um, and I want to talk about uh, how you do it because a lot of the viewers work in marketplaces that auctions and VPA don't come easily. Mm. So I want to talk about that. I also want to talk to you about the fact that you believe that you have an understanding and a philosophy that you can write one and a half million in gross commission income in 30 hours a week. Mm -hmm. um, how many hours a week do you do in sales now? In sales, it would be 30 hours or less. Like, cause a lot of my time is in new direction with the business, business ownership, growing parts of the business. So, in actual sales, it'd be 30 hours or less. Auctions in Newcastle, vendors don't love them. No. <laughs> how do you, how, you use the term friendly auctions. Yeah. Explain that. 
So, Tom, uh, friendly options are something I sort of came up with from about 2006 onwards. I started branding it from probably about 2008 onwards. And it's because I, I learned what options were very early. I studied the top performers around the country. All the men plus riders were using auction and VPA as their main thing. And watching a good auction go off um, and watching the advantages for the, the vendor, I thought this has to be the way to go. And then, you know, even from the buyer's point of view, more transparent, you know, you know you're a willing seller, all that sort of stuff. But running them in Newcastle, and I did, I went out and ran some with a traditional technique of not talking price and, and all the discussion points that you learn from the traditional auction trainers. I, I was just getting smashed, smashed by buyers. Right. Vendors um, were resisting it either along the way or resisting it to list them. And, um, and I was finding just so much rejection as well from the marketplace. I'd put an auction up, a standard auction, and I'd get way less buyers to the open house than I would if I just had a price private treating with a fair price. Yeah. So I was actually finding it was almost a disadvantage to go auction. Right. Um, I did get to the point where my auction skills were much higher than standard, so I could make a standard auction work, but the intensity of the labour was unbelievable. But how much nurturing you need to do with the buyers compared to a private treaty, I can see why everyone was just gravitating towards private treaty. Well, the viewers are going to be able to relate to that, particularly yeah. those that are in, outside of an inner city traditional auction marketplace. Yeah. So, what did you do? Well, I went about finding out what the sweat points were for buyers, like what were they actually upset about. So I did surveys, I did them right across the country. I started in Newcastle, I ended up going to Melbourne, stood out front of real estate offices, I stood out front of open houses, went to Sydney, I interviewed other agents, I went to Brisbane, went to Gold Coast, and it was just done over a period of time. So it was like a couple of years of learning, but six months in the intense phase. I found five key things that the buyers didn't like. The number one was price. The agent won't give me any help on price. They're not talking price. How do I know roughly whether it's in my zone? So we'll get around that pretty quickly with price guide. And, and we can go into that later if we need. The second thing was having to pay for pest and building reports. Right. On a property they've got no idea if they've got a chance of buying, especially considering they don't know if the price is in their range. Yeah. So it, it seemed dumb to me. There's six buyers had to get six reports on a property that only one buyer was going to own. Why couldn't we just get a report done up front by an independent panel of inspectors? Yeah. Now it has to be independent. The buyer, they've got to be willing to transfer it into the buyer's name, talk to the buyer as if they bought that report. Right. It might be a small fee for that, it might be free, but either way, if they can trust that report, then there's only one report required, so we did that. Yeah. Um, third thing was... The, so who pays for that? Well, I had the vendor would pay for it. Got you. But it's, it's off a panel, so it's all done the right way. There's, there's terms and conditions. Right. The third thing was how difficult it was to get finance for an auction, because the agent's not telling me a price. This one's talking low, this one's talking high. I'm just guessing how do you get pre-approved, all that stuff. So we work with valuation kits, um, which are comparable sales, and ones that could be a little bit over to indicate the maximum could get to, so to get pre-approved to a strong amount. So, so when you say evaluation kit, what's that? Okay, so it's a list of sales, and, and it depends on which direction the market's going as well, but it's got expert commentary in it around how those sales relate to this property. And, and we've got to communicate to the buyers that even though you might not be wanting to pay this much for it, this is what the bank should be looking at when they're looking at valuing this before you go and bid on it, right. rather than you putting the figure you you would love to buy that into the application, right. and it goes 10 grand over that, and now they're into mortgage insurance or putting their own cash in. 
So it's getting more realistic valuations prior to auction as opposed to the lowball ones that have been coming in for years and agents have been plagued with it. Right. It's also about communicating more with their broker on the way through because a lot of buyers, they, in non-auction areas especially, the broker says, yeah, you're pre-approved, just call me when you found one. Right. So what do they do? They wait until they're just before the auction. They go, oh, by the way, my solicitor said I should talk to you and get approved. And they're like, oh, is it going to auction? Oh, well, no, you're not approved for that. You can't bid. Right, right. So it's a whole extra step that you take as an agent by nurturing it through though, you're getting all these qualified buyers. So that was three. Number four, solicitors were charging people just to look at contracts prior to auction. Um, we just helped that right out. We just got a panel of about 15 of them that were all willing to see prospective clients prior to an auction with no charge. Right. And work out terms and conditions, deposit conditions, settlement conditions. And the last one, they didn't like the pressure of auction, having to make a decision on the spot. But I found a lot of that was because they didn't know what was going to happen. So we brought it back to having a structured buyer meeting or buyer call a few days out from the auction, giving them assistance, helping them with understanding that other people can bid, because it's an education thing. A lot of these things have been around, but it's not packaged up. So when buyers now see friendly auction, a little bit of heat comes off them. And they think, okay, well, Do you brand them a friendly auction? Yeah, it's written everywhere. Where was it written? Signboard, internet, newspaper, brochure. Okay, this is absolute gold. I just sat there listening to this guy, sitting there, and I've got to tell you, this is as gold as you get in what I've done in videos. Basically what he said is, he found what kept people up at night about auctions. He asked the question, he diagnosed what it was, he came up with the fact is that there was a finance issue, that there was a pest inspection issue, that there was a solicitor's things uh, issue, the fact that they hated not knowing roughly what it was going to go for, and more or less addressed all those issues. Yeah. And what you're doing is branded him in a particular way, and today, uh, give me an idea, how many, like, how many options does your office do in a, you know, a year? Um, somewhere between 50 and 100. Well, I, I do 50 or 60, so probably around 100 a year, give okay. or take. Yeah. Okay, so and you, you have found that that model of doing auctions, um, you do them in rooms or on sites? Um, mostly in rooms, yeah. but there's a few agents in the office that tend to trend towards the on site, or it might well just be because it suits the timeline better. So, upon reflection, we're probably more like about 120 at the moment, but I want to get that right back up there to about 200 plus as a percentage of our overall volume. Okay, can I ask you, vendor paid advertising, has that increased because of the method of sale being auctioned? Video is so much easier to get when you've got auction because they can see how this campaign, it's all about four weeks, so let's get the most out of that four weeks. And it's always gone hand in hand for me as an agent. I've got a, a, a big team now and a blended team that come from a lot of other backgrounds, so there's a lot of belief that I have to work on with the agents there and educating them. So, and I'm not immune to the fact that in Newcastle we still have resistance to auction. Friendly auctions overcome a lot in the last five years since we've been doing it, like it's dramatically different. I'll so if someone goes on the net, they'll be able to see a friendly auction. Yeah, newcastle.com.au, you'll see a couple on there. All right, again, um, absolute gold. I want to talk about the fact that uh, obviously this has gone a long way to help you write, you know, one three, one four, one five in GCI. Uh, you, you claim that that is achievable to be done in, in thirty hours or less a week. Tell me how. Yeah, and that and that that's got elasticity, elasticity, obviously, Tom. Yeah. But 
I think it's all about working on what your highest and best use is and just pure dollar productive activity. So anyone in my office or that knows me well will know I live my life in 15 million increments. Right. Everything's in the calendar. It's blocked, it's moved. I, it gets moved around a lot though. It's like a busy doctor's surgery. If I've got someone that I'm booked in to go and see their house and they're not thinking of selling right now, it's a three month out thing, I'm giving them some advice, but someone rings up and they want a list right away, that appointment's getting moved and I'm going to the other one. Right. And we move it back and we still service that client. So my focus is really about listing new business, setting up a strategy at the start with the owners, and I spend a lot of education with the owners that you don't need me for everything, you need me for my strategy, my input. Mark, so what is the team that you operate with? You've got a, you've got an assistant, or you've got a couple. Yeah, so the structures changed, well, evolved. I'll say evolved over time because you figure out where your needs are most. But it's generally myself as a listing agent, head strategist, campaign manager. You could call it with the owner. I tend to get the call in uh, in the first place on a lot of my listings. I, I do a lot of outbound prospecting as well, so I'll find a lot of my own stock in that regard. I then have a buyer manager, Dave Nellis, been with me for a number of years, so he's ex-hospitality, came to real estate probably about six, six seven years ago now, uh, great with people, and he just works buyers, works with buyer database. He'll actually put a deal together though, so it's not like it has to come back to me for that, And but I do most of the vendor work in that regard, and then I have a person that handles my calendar, generally laying out of campaigns, but calendar management and just booking in listing appointments and sending them right pre-list kits, that's the stuff that my sort of admin EA does. Um, we've got a really structured listing coordination department in our business, so most of our agents, if you're writing sort of five to seven hundred, you can write up to about seven hundred without an admin PA in my business. Right. Because it's like you list the property, it goes on a conveyor belt. If if you didn't need to, you didn't have to talk to the owner again to the open house. Right. You can as a point of contact, but it's all done. Photos, copywriting, it's all booked. So um, I use mine more to manage the calendar and we're just constantly communicating on voice notes all day on that hotel program. Yeah. Right. So I'll just hotel through an instruction. Can I just ask, what's hotel again? Hotel's like an app on uh, Apple iPhones, yeah. and you can probably get it on the other smartphones. And, and what's it do? It's a voice? It's like a walkie-talkie, basically, and you record a voice note, and you let go of it, and it gets sent. By and SMS? Yeah, it, it turns up in the app, right. as an SMS, basically. So everyone in your office has got it all? Pretty much, yeah. Right. So we're, that way you can be doing it as you're going around, like, you know, at the traffic lights, so you're not supposed to touch your phone, but it's right. not like you're typing SMSs or emails all the time, they're quick, quick notes, and right. they get things done. Hotel. Yeah, H-E-Y-T-L-L. Okay, Go good stuff, it. mate. This guy's an amazing source of information. So you're basically saying, for you to do the 1.5 in 30 hours a week, it's essentially having a structured process driven business where the people are not lower level PAs. They've got the ability to actually do things like put deals together yeah. and that you only come over the top of the sophisticated finessing of important tasks. Absolutely, but there's still buyers that will call me direct and I'll get involved in negotiation, but as soon as it gets back to like, okay, we've got that deal set, now it's got to be exchanged, that just goes off again. Right. Because if I'm doing that stuff, it's, it just doesn't empower me to be there for my other clients that I'm running. Because I'll run quite a few campaigns at once, carry about 25 to 30 listings most of the time, probably 10 to 12 of those are generally strong campaign. So, you know, auction or a big marketing campaign or it's coming up to campaign. 
So, um, you know, there is time constraints in there and running open homes and stuff like that as well. Right. I'm looking at bringing in uh, Andrew McKinnon into my team, another, uh, another agent. He's been around for more than 10 years. Right. So again, high enough level to talk to anyone. We make the assessment of who he talks to and who he doesn't when I'm calling the listing appointments. Generally speaking, I'm just looking at segregating the price category. So if they call in, they want an appointment to list the property, we'll assess how much, whether they need me or whether they just like the way I do business. Yeah. And if he might have met him in an open house anyway, that I'm of my property, yeah. he'll go out and list that one if it's sub 750, if it's plus 750, it's me. There'll be exceptions to that, there's existing clients that only want me and stuff like that, but it's about the 80-20 rule, I suppose. Okay. Uh, so Mark, it's been really good. Uh, the way we've gone through this, there's been lots of takeaway points. The first one was the friendly auctions. The second one was the ability to explain how you work to write the numbers that you're writing in addition to run the business, because you are the owner of the business. Yeah. So you're running a business as well as writing 1.3 to 1.5 in GCI, and the way you do it is that you work in 15-minute increments, you have a day-by-design, there's no accidents, things are structured, I've said it before, routine will set you free, and this guy is an example of that. Routine is setting him free. Um, the third thing I want to touch on is that, you know, commission cutting, it's something that happens all over Australia. Um, explain how you're able to get, in most instances, or a lot of instances, 1% more than many of your competitors. How do you do that? Yeah, so it's, uh, the fee avalanche started probably about three, four years ago in Newcastle. It's, it's been rife in Sydney and Melbourne for some time, so it's inevitable in all marketplaces until the agents change the behaviour on it. Because it's like how some areas are VPA areas and some areas are, are not VPA areas. It's the predominant behaviour of the agents that affects the owners. Yeah. And in our case, um, some large competitors that um, we've taken some market share off, or they might be lost, losing market share to other competitors that are coming in the market, started just discounting fees and I, I believe it's quite lazy um, and instead of sharpening up on the skills I'm getting a fee that's more uh, in line with where you know what an agent can add value to a, a sale that just come down right so we know that that's the problem um, the first thing I think is it's a belief structure you've you've got to believe that you are adding way more value than the fee you charge to the owner in order to be charging it and feeling good about charging it I see great agents that still struggle with the idea that they're gonna get paid 25 grand on a million dollar sale or thereabouts, or even get paid $12,000 on a property that might be at, you know, a 350 or, or something like that. They struggle with that concept. Yeah. They think, oh, it's too much, it's a lot of money. But we are consistently creating results at auction or through the way we do our marketing and sale of 20 to $30,000 over the next comparison sale that's just gone in the market. So if we get an extra, say, 40, 50 grand for an owner and we charge an extra eight, isn't that a good deal? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, so that's where we sort of start. The agent needs to believe that first. The second part of it is evidence. It's right. got to, there's got to be evidence. So I, I've been compiling recently with info packs. I've got Dropbox on my iPad, which is, um, I can pull up any of my past agency agreements at an instant. Right. So I'll have the brochure of a property that I listed yeah. with the price guide that it had on it when it was listed. I'll have the last comparable sales directly comparable to that property on the CMA with my handwritten notes that I showed the owner. At the listing? Yeah, of that last property. Right. Then I'll have the brochure of what it's sold for with the price written on it. So price guide, last comparison sales, and then this whopping big price that we've got for it. And then I'll have my agency agreement right there with 3.3% written on it and saying, 
That's what we quoted, then it could be worth, that's what the other sales were saying they compared to, here's what we got for it, and here's what the owner paid. Now if you went through that process, would you be happy to pay me the extra 0.75% over what you've been quoted somewhere else if you've got that outcome? Sensational again, again, he has just gone through two important things. Believe that you're worth it, and you act that way, because if you believe it, you act it. The second thing is, it's not enough just to actually believe it, you've got to articulate it. And what you're saying is, show the proof. Create the evidence. You're there, the jury's listening. You're telling the jury, I am worth 1% more, let me show you why. And you are pulling it out on Dropbox on your iPad, is it? Yeah. yeah. Dropbox, uh, which is essentially just a place where you store stuff. You can do it in printed form, and if I've got a lot of time to prepare, I will, but the frequency of the points I'm doing, I'm just pulling them up before, I have them loaded up before I go in. So it's not a big flashy presentation, it's when fees come up, that comes out, dum dum dum, put it away. Okay, so let's go over it. It's the agency agreement, the brochure, comparable sale, the brochure, what it's sold for, yeah. those four things, and then you're showing the 3.3, have a look. The guide was 600, sold for 680. Of course, I'm entitled to get that. They're happy, you're happy, and that's why life should be. The best agent should get paid the best money. Yeah, I believe so. And look, if, if, if you think you've got a real um, slow, not, I won't say slow learner on that, someone that's more resistant to it, a bit uh, anti-sales person, they can see it, they know you're the one, but something in their inner DNA is telling them that, that you know I'm being ripped off if I go with an agent that's dearer, I just have to go this way, put a guarantee in it. Yeah. The fee's your fee, yeah. they have to ask for the discount if they're not happy with the price at the end of it, and you write it in as a clause in your agency agreement. Okay, so you write an agency, in your agency agreement, what would you write? Give me the words. So, for example, 3.3%, yeah. uh, if the seller is dissatisfied with the sale price that they receive, they have the right to pay a reduced commission of, you might say, 2.75%. Uh, by requesting in writing within seven days of contract exchange. Okay, so you and you don't actually put down uh, a dollar that makes unhappy. No. There's something up that you discuss it's at the their, time. It's their satisfaction that yeah. you've achieved the peak in the market. Yeah. Because we are talking about process here, not a promise of a price. Yeah. They'll know by the end of it that we've extracted everything by the brilliant communication, the marketing, the people we've had come through, the experts' advice they've had, and the way we finesse it on the auction on the auction night. You're, you're quite eloquent. The way that you deliver this stuff and you articulate it, you're very good. You Is it natural practice? got better at it? Um, I would say practice is the number one thing. I, I like to think things through in my head about how it would come across if it was said. So initially I suppose my dialogue would have been a lot rougher. Right. A lot of, it would have sounded a lot more like other trainers. Yeah. But if you if you do role play a lot and I either role play with myself or I'll think it through or I'll work it with my team, we train every week, um, hour and a half compulsory. So this stuff gets rehearsed every week in our office. Okay, uh, Mark, if you were starting in real estate again mm -hmm. on day one, yep. what bit of advice you'd give to yourself knowing what you know now, nine years down the track? Okay, well it probably took me about a year to really kick in. The first year was right off really, and I do the things that I know worked in the first five years, but I do them with more intensity. Right. So 
And and the things that were key for me, options, yeah. passionate about VPA, yeah. and not just for receiving the money, but for the advantage it gives the owner, yeah. and having a coach to keep you accountable. Beautiful. They're the three things that you would drill to some of the advice you'd give to people. Well, yeah, it's pretty much what I did, yeah. but it, you would focus on it even more. More passionate about how your VPA campaigns go. More passionate about auction and getting clear on the reasons rather than going, oh, okay, I'll take a private treaty because it's still a listing. Yeah. Keep going on it until you find out that the, the vendors really shoot with it and then overcome it and then list it and get the result because you'll get more that way. Yeah, well, I've got to tell you, we've just spent uh, about 20 minutes talking to one of the best real estate agents in the country working in a marketplace, not auction lower price bracket and he's out there using these attraction agent strategies and writing million dollar GCI numbers. It's been a pleasure having you here. It's been a pleasure having your team in today for um, that training session on vendor paid marketing. You've got a great team of people and uh, Mark, all I can really say is that you, you, you walk the talk, you, uh, you told me that you train exercise how many times a week? Five, six. Do you reckon, do you reckon it helps you in business? Oh, without fail, definitely. Yeah, I'll just, yeah, you're way on the front foot. If you've started training at the start of the day, you know, your blood's been pumping, your toxins are You're around. a 5 8 club member, or 445 you're trying? Yeah, I'll go 445, yeah. I write my goals every day, I'm back into that again. I write them every day, I read them, I have an espresso, I have a lemon water, I have a bottle of water, and I'm just ready to go before everyone else is up. All right. Uh, my advice is replay this video and watch it again because the friendly options and how he addresses those issues in his marketplace, go onto his website and look at how he brands them. I'd also just have a look again at the way that he articulated that, you know, value proposition of why we're worth more and how he shows proof to the vendors. Thank you so much. Awesome.